You're listening to episode 68 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field, and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer, and let's get to the show. One of the things I love about doing these interviews is I never really know what direction they're going to go in. We don't have them scripted. We don't plan out every question. We just really let the conversation flow. And today's interview with the incredible and connected Amber Vilhauer was one of my favorites because I didn't expect for us to get to the root of what business is all about. This woman has built a seven-figure business. She's worked with the likes of Les Brown and Lisa Nichols, best-selling authors. She's worked with over a thousand entrepreneurs, supporting them in their businesses, helping them go to the top helping them with their marketing strategy, becoming best-selling authors and launching their books and so many incredible things that are, are shiny and bright and amazing. But really, what I didn't realize was that she built this whole thing on the back of relationships. She has mastered the art of connection. She has figured out how to build an incredible business that's built on genuine referrals because of how she pours into every single individual that she works with. So I came into this thinking she was going to be talking all PR strategies and how to pitch yourself and all these incredible things, which by the way, we do cover in today's episode, and it's going to be incredibly tactical and helpful for you. But more than anything, she stressed the importance of that connection, the importance of when you're talking with someone, remembering that they are the only person in your world in that moment whether it's your child that you're talking to or the next potential client that you could bring in that could make an impact in your business, whose life you could also impact through your business. I am so excited to bring Amber on and for you guys to hear from her because this is something that every single entrepreneur, every single business owner needs to hear and needs to understand so fully that being a connector, being someone that that just lives by the truth The best businesses are built on the back of relationships and deep connection, and Amber is evidence of that. So we're going to get tactical, but we're going to get real. So let's get to today's episode. You are going to love it. And remember, make sure you go to the show notes and snag the link that is getting you guys first access to our incredible brand new Scaling Up podcast community, where I'm going to be hosting our free challenge on how to sell anything. So go there, drop your email so that you can be alerted when the door is open to this. And if you're catching it a little late, if you're not catching this episode when it first launches, that's okay. That will also get you access to the group. So go there and snag it. I can't wait to see you guys in there. Amber, I have been looking forward to this interview for a while. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you do in the world. I think it's so, so important. And so honestly, I'm just, I'm really honored to know you and to serve today. Yeah. Well, ditto to you. I love reading about your story, but I've been like eager to get you on here to get, get it straight from your mouth. Like I want to hear everything about what you've been doing. So, and I'm excited for our audience to get to know you better and to, to really get to know your journey to this point. And ultimately get into talking shop about learning more about how you've found ways to attract the right clients and business partners to scale and without having to chase them down. I like that piece. But tell us more about your journey here. Like, what did that look like? What led you here? I want to hear all about it. 
You know, it's so funny. Sometimes you look at people online who in your eyes have, have made it or they look like they're an influencer or whatever perception you have. And you think, wow, I just wish I had their gifts or their talents, right? Or that I could be fearless on video or whatever it is. And we don't often realize that, A, the grass isn't greener on the other side, right? So whatever we perceive isn't always necessarily true. I like to say that. But also that we don't know what journey somebody had to take to get to that point. Amen. And for me, yeah. People look at me, Elizabeth, and they're like, wow, she's so smiley and energetic and happy. And it's, it's true. I'm very honest about my happiness, but it took a lot to get here. And so when I was growing up, I was in my sister's shadow. She cast a very wide shadow. She was amazing. She was Miss Teen Arizona for crying out loud. And she had all the friends. And for whatever reason, I was not very social in school. And so I didn't have a lot of friends and it created a lot of suffering for me. I started to feel invisible. I didn't use my voice. It was like my light started to go out. And into my teenage years when I was in high school, it was like that suffering just started to amplify. And I started hanging out with people that I thought were like good enough and they were not good people. They were not kind people. And, but that's what I felt good enough for. And it literally took this moment when I was 16 years old, I got jumped by five girls at a party. Mm. And there were about 80 kids at this party and they were all just watching. Nobody was stopping it. And it was this really eerie moment in my life. I'll never forget the moment. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like how did I get here? And what is going on? And is this going to be my life? And so I walked away from that thinking like, okay, who do I want to be? Who would I be proud to be? What's the kind of life that would feel good to live? Because this does not feel good <laughs> at all. No part of this feels good. So decision by decision, day by day, I start making decisions based on who I wanted to be, who I would be proud to be. Mm -hmm. And you saw this moment, Elizabeth, where within the next year and a half, I graduated with honors. I repaired the relationship with my parents. I stopped caring about what other people thought and just focused on how I want to feel on the inside. I got this random job selling Cutco cutlery as an 18-year-old high in kitchen knives while I started going to college. And that company, I just, I had no sales experience. I mean, my gosh, I didn't feel comfortable talking to anybody walking into those doors. And yet they said, just follow this training manual, go out and try to sling some knives. So I did. I did exactly what they told me to do and it worked. I walk into the office after my weekend of selling for the first time, and I walk into the room filled with applause and recognition. And I was shocked to the core. I had never been seen like that before. I had never been recognized like that before. And it's like, it just cracked me open. And I thought, whoa, that feels good. I want more of that. So I'm just going to be this like achiever. I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do. And then I'm going to get all of these results and all of this love will come in. And that's exactly what happened. And there was this moment where I thought, I want other people to feel this way. So then I start giving that back and giving that recognition to others. And then that made me feel better. And so that was an interesting component of what got me here. I transitioned out of that organization and found myself interested in the online world. I taught myself code so that I could build websites. 
And I taught myself about social media and SEO. And all of a sudden I formed this company back in 2007. I called it NGNG Enterprises, which stands for No Guts, No Glory. And today I work with authors, speakers, and coaches. I build websites. We've launched nearly a thousand. Um, I help them with their marketing and strengthening their platform in a very systematic way so that they're not stuck in the day-to-day minutia of their organization, but they're focused on speaking and getting their message out. And I do bestseller book launches and I have the most amazing clients in the world and I'm extremely happy, but I, I know that was a longer story, but I really wanted to show the contrast of like, it didn't start this way. I wasn't Mm -hmm. a born speaker. It wasn't easy for me to talk to people or do video, but I wanted to feel good about myself and then share that with others. And I, I was in the trenches. I leaned into the challenge of it and now created something outrageous that I can hardly believe. Mm, I love that. And I love the resourcefulness in your story. Like there just, I felt like that was a common theme of you just talking about how you didn't know how to do something and then you figured out how to do it and you followed the path that um, you were creating for yourself, but you were learning from people who are ahead of you and you, you kind of paid attention to what was working. And I, yes. I think not enough people give themselves credit that they can, they can figure it out. It's okay to not know today what you need to know to get to where you want to go tomorrow. Like yeah. there might be a gap right now, but you can figure that out. Let's stay on uh, No Guts, No Glory for a second. What made you pick that name for the company? You know, it's a phrase my mom used to say to me all the time growing up. And I thought, what better message to remember every day when I face challenges and fears and do the hard stuff and get my message out to the world? And what better message for my clients to remember as they go out and do the same? And so Mm -hmm. it just, I wanted something meaningful. Yeah, I love that. You've worked with some pretty big names from book launches to marketing strategies. And I'm really excited to break down how you've attracted those people, what maybe your pitching process to bring them into the doors of your company and into your life to work with you and figuring out how to bring on the right strategic partners to scale your business. And here's the key without having to hunt them down. Like, I think that's something that stands out to people is they're like, yeah, I really want to do this, this, and this. Maybe if I just put this content out there, they'll just come to me. They're afraid to put themselves out there in a way to attract the people that they want to bring in, or they don't feel like they're enough, or they have imposter syndrome, or they don't know what to tactically do first. Like there's so many different things they might be struggling with. Talk to us about the kind of behind the scenes of this evolution of your business that has brought in the likes of people like Les Brown to work with them on book launches and things like that. I, I do feel incredibly blessed, um, but I know it wasn't by luck, right? And so I really do believe that it starts with you. It starts with you. And again, coming from that place of who do I want to be? Who would I be proud to be? Is honestly a big factor in my success and attracting those people in. So that's number one. And I think an extension from that is I was always very intentional about relationships, very focused on developing personal connection with everybody that I engage with. Everybody. There's nobody insignificant or nobody that doesn't matter. It's not about sales. I exist in the human to human connection, regardless of outcome, right? Mm -hmm. And when you show up that way, and I have this focus on just being present and elevating every experience. And so even now it's like, I have no idea what's going to come of our connection, but I'm excited about it. And I'm going to give this everything that I've got, everything that I am. And when you approach somebody with that kind of intention, 
they feel it. It's a feeling inside of like, whoa, like this is, there's something different here because most people, especially today are distracted. They're, they're like thinking about their email or I'm out mm -hmm. of time. I'm busy. I'm tired. I've got to do all this stuff. Not me. I'm right here right now. This is the only thing in the world that matters to me is this relationship and this conversation. And so I think that when people feel that from you, it makes an impression. And then they start to, okay, what do you actually do for work? So then my, my reputation really matters to me. I want to make sure that from the moment somebody first hears about me until years from now, that there's a consistency, there is a care, there's an attention to the relationship and to the experience that then propels this really excellent reputation. And when you start to combine all of these elements, word of mouth takes over. And I'm telling you, word of mouth is the most powerful form of advertising. Everybody's out there Googling, like, how do I optimize my Facebook ads? How do I buy more traffic? How do I do all of these things? But it's like, man, if you're a good person doing good things in the world and you know what you're doing, uh, like the world's just going to show up at your doorstep because that is very, very rare to have that kind of an experience with somebody. So honestly, the vast majority of my business, word of mouth, mm, word yeah. of mouth. I haven't I, had to rely on a lot of the other stuff that most people feel forced into doing. I love that you say that because, and I want to highlight it for a minute, because a lot of the people that I work with or that listen in, they're under this, I don't know, I'd call it like they're disillusioned into thinking that success financially or in terms of, you know, success as a whole, you know, encompassing the whole person is dictated. One of the main metrics that dictates it is the number of followers next to their name. Oh, and that yeah. could not be further from the truth. I have worked no with, kidding. no, I, I had um, a client fly in for a full immersion experience here out at the farm. And would you like to know how many followers he has on social media? Zero. Would you like to know how much profit he brings in every year? $4 million. So wow. Yeah. It has nothing. And he built it so similar to you in that it was built on relationships, referrals, yes. Yes. word of mouth. Now, because so much is done on social media, people are judging other people based on that number. Like I know people who run podcasts who won't even take people on their show if they don't have, you know, the swipe up feature. It's like I so small minded. It drives me nuts. So I'm yeah. really glad you said that because I know that you're doing this without needing to focus just on those metrics that really don't ultimately matter and that you're doing it from a place of integrity and relationship because that is what I stand behind a hundred percent. So will you walk us through like some of the behind the scenes process of that relationship building? Almost, I, I know people are going to be wondering like, what is, how does she even get that initial connection with these people? Or what does that process look like? Or does she have, you know, a system or a strategy or is it all just, you know, pouring into relationships? Can you kind of break that down a little bit more for us? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it does tend to happen pretty naturally when you put yourself out there, right? So I think that it can start with an element of just opening up conversation, right? So if I'm on social media, I might share a video that relates to something that I'm doing, or I just might express myself, an idea, a thought, a belief, an experience. I'm sharing a story. And just by naturally being out in the world in a real way, right? Not in like a, ooh, I'm just being perfect and, you know, professional. It's like, no, no, no. Like who's the real Amber? And just put that out there. And when you do that, people just 
pick up on the difference. I don't know how to articulate it differently than that. But then all of a sudden, somebody will be paying attention and they'll have a conversation with somebody in a coffee shop that needs a website and they're think, oh, Amber, yeah, I'll, I'll connect you. So honestly, it does happen. If you are just consistently putting yourself out there, people will connect with you. They'll feel drawn to you. They will like you. And when somebody in their experience needs something that I offer as a service, I will just naturally be referred in. There are more strategic things that you can do too. So I've always been focused on from day one, developing strategic partnerships and collaborations with other companies who service the same clientele that I want to work with, right? So back in one of the first companies that I did this with was this woman named Ruby. She had a publishing company out in California and she was looking for somebody to come in and run her bestseller launches, making books number one on Amazon. But that came second to what her initial need was just somebody that could, you know, project manage the books. Now that wasn't really what I necessarily wanted to do long-term, but I looked at it as an entry point. So mm -hmm. I said, sure, I'll project manage. And I came in and I just honestly, like a virtual assistant could have done this work. It was so easy, but I thought, great, now I'm going to have access to all of these authors. And I built the relationship with Ruby. She trusted me, her authors liked me. And then came the opportunity to launch these bestseller campaigns. And she was launching books for, you know, Les Brown and Lisa Nichols. So I start working with those bigger authors, giving them a great experience. And then I went back to Ruby and said, you know, why don't we have a website package for your authors? And then, hey, Ruby, why don't we do this for your authors? So you look over the trajectory of like the six or seven years that she had her company, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars were generated in my company from just that initial little idea, project management. So if you're just getting started, like get scrappy, do something that maybe wouldn't necessarily do long-term because it's an end where you can build a relationship and then start to grow it into what you ultimately want to do long-term. And I've got yes. tons of different stories, but that's one that comes to mind when you're starting. Yeah. And that's so important to highlight because when people are just getting out of the gate with entrepreneurship or maybe even been in business for a little bit, everybody wants the grand slam. Like people are like, well, what's that big thing that I'm going to do? That's always going to be my thing. And I got to launch it and it's got to be amazing. It's not even that we're afraid to fail as much as we're afraid to look like we're just starting. We're afraid to look like a novice. Yes. We're afraid to do something that isn't what we ultimately want to do, forgetting that it's like you step stone into the successes that you ultimately want. You evolve and in taking on things like you just mentioned, you learn so much. It's, it's a shoe in to meet the right people and start connecting and making, building those relationships. But it's also a massive learning experience that you can't put a price on. So sure, maybe like the first couple of years, you're not doing what you feel like you're qualified to do. But you're, if you're paying attention and you're using it to your advantage, then it actually becomes of immense value to you. So I'm so glad you said that. One of my favorite things about running this podcast is hearing from you guys. You guys have given such incredible feedback, both in your reviews on the show, but also reaching out to me personally and to our team saying, hey, could you give us more of this? Or we loved when you talked about that. So one of the things we keep hearing is, is there a place like where we can all gather? Do you have a community for this? And the truth is for season one, we were so caught up in bringing you value and content 
We didn't spend the time to create the community, but the community was there. It just wasn't all in one place. Well, now we're going to have one place to coexist and rising tide raises all boats. We are going to lift each other up as we scale our businesses. This is an incredible community that we are opening the doors to that is going to give you access to incredible guest speakers, other members of the community who you can lean on. This is almost like a giant mastermind where you're going to be able to share, ask questions, share your wins, and get so many like-minded go-getters there ready to lift you up through the process. So when you need something, this is going to be a place to go. When you have a win to share, this is going to be the place to go. So we are opening up the Scaling Up podcast community. And if you want in, we are going to kick it off with the most incredible challenge. We did an episode, actually we've done a couple episodes, on the idea of conversions. Like how do you get more sales? If you're here and you're listening to this and you have a business or you want to start a business, ultimately you're going to have to sell something. And because you guys rallied around these particular episodes so much and have asked so many questions about how you can implement these things into your business, we decided we're going to do a free how to sell anything challenge. And we are going to host it in the brand new group, the brand new community for this amazing group of Mavericks. So make sure you go to the link in today's show notes so that you can snag your spot, your special seat at the table in the Scaling Up podcast community and get access to this challenge. You will be the first to hear about it. So go there, drop your email so that we can send you the information. You don't miss out on this free challenge that should cost a lot of money and ultimately will likely turn into a mini course and will cost money. But if you want it for free and you want access to this community, go to the show notes, snag that link, Drop your email, save your seat. I can't wait to see you at the table. Talk a little bit more about what it has been like, you know, running your business. I'm sure there's been kind of a journey in that too. What did you start with as far as your business model and then how did it kind of evolve? And then where do you feel like you've found your sweet spot? Great question. Thank you for asking that. In the beginning, um, my priority, it's always been reputation, right? Excellent customer experience. So that had to come first. I also really had this desire to be the world's most amazing boss because I had been working in relationships before that it was like, I felt devalued, just bad experiences. And so I thought I'm going to correct all of those and, and be this great boss, but I'm not going to feel like a boss. I'm going to feel like an equal team player. It's not about Amber. It's about what we can do together. And so the team culture, the, the way that I chose to have the operation work internally was really important. The reputation externally was important, but I also had a focus on building up cash flow as quickly as possible because I knew that for my clientele, authors in general, like don't have tons of money to just spend on things, right? They want to invest it in their book, but maybe not their website. So I knew that I had to have competitive pricing. I also wanted to offer long-term payment plans, which means that all of my hard costs happens upfront. And then I'm waiting for to get paid back essentially. So those were some really interesting components to how I chose to do my model upfront. When I look back on my history, Elizabeth, I do things that are very unconventional and it kind of um, touches on what you said earlier. I, I feel like I, intentionally choose not 
to look at what everybody else is doing because it distracts me and makes me feel bad. It makes me feel less than, it makes me feel insecure and I start to second guess myself. Yes. So I actually really try to put the blinders on and not look at what the quote competition is doing. I hate that word. And I just do what feels naturally instinctively good for me and ultimately my clients serving them first. So, you know, that's a whole other topic, but so I'm kind of working with these things. We started with just selling websites and along the way, somebody would come to me saying, I want to create an ebook. Can you do that? And I said, yeah. And then I'm like, how do I create an ebook? Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, can you do uh, set up my Facebook cover? <laughs> yeah, of course I can. I said yes to everything in the beginning, but it was really good learning for me. It quickly broadened my skill set, and I got known as the get it done girl. All of my clients used to say that, oh, go to Amber. She's your get it done girl and anything that you need for websites and marketing. And there was a period of time where nobody knew how to refer me because they couldn't define what exactly it was that I did because I sort of did it all and it was weird. Um, But we were still profitable. It worked. You saw this phase of me quickly. I mean, the profits came in, a lot of referrals, had to develop my team quickly. We were doing all things for all people. And that's when it hit me that I built the wrong model. (laughs) Been there, girl. And this was about three and a half years ago when, P.S., I just had my first child or my Mm -hmm. only child. But here I am with a newborn, a team of 17 contractors, 200 active clients. And I had the like, oh, moment where I built the wrong model and I was the cog. I was in the middle of every conversation, every execution. And because we were doing so many different things, I couldn't systematize hardly any of it, right? Because it was all these weird, quirky, unique, random projects that we would never do a second time. So we raised our prices. I completed a bunch of projects, let go some clients that weren't a fit. And I slowed the machine way back down, let go of team members, reevaluated, totally licked my wounds for a while, felt bad about myself, questioned every decision I'd ever made. (laughs) And then I thought, what is my unique talent? Like, what am I really good at? And I, for the first time, this is seven, eight years into the journey, maybe, maybe nine. And this is the first time I'm actually questioning what I'm good at. I studied the way my mind works, which was really interesting. And I saw that I'm good at the high level strategy, the innovation, the creativity. And I, thanks to the years past, knew how to execute. So then I looked at, oh my gosh, my unique ability is that I can take the ideas, put them into systems and structures that then allows the business owner to delegate the execution work out to their team. And once I then saw that, I re-engineered my model so that my marketing could be in training team members how to do marketing on behalf of the business owner. In my book launch work, I help ideate these really creative, innovative things, put them into a structure so that the author's team can do the execution work. So I'm less doing the done for you execution piece. Now I'm doing a lot more thought leadership and structure systems work. And it just is like, win, win, win. I'm much happier. My team is smaller. We're far more profitable. It's like I've carved out this space in the world that nobody else is doing the work that I'm doing. 
and therefore the word of mouth is even more powerful. And it's just like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I want to stay there for a sec because you said something that oh, so important. You pivoted, like you became aware that the hustle and the grind, even though you were good at what you were doing, mm-hmm. it was like, a, oh, this is not what I'm called to do. And I don't want to have to do it like this forever because you, you came into this reality that that business model that you were running out of was going to keep you running forever. Like there was no end in sight. It was not something scalable for you. That is such a key piece that I think people struggle with because I ultimately will have people connect after a decade in business or five years in business. And they're like, why am I grinding and I'm Mm. still not where I want to be? And it's like, well, you didn't build the business that's congruent with the life you want to be living. You can grind until you're 90 and nothing's going to change. You have to pivot. And it's a scary thing because it's like super scary. (laughs) Yeah. You get, you get comfortable with the discomfort that Mm -hmm. you're familiar with. And that's better sometimes for people than having to shift into a discomfort you're not familiar with, which would be the pivot. But the thing is, is that that secondary discomfort that you're not yet familiar with will change everything. And that's what I love about your story is that you had the courage to do that. And it's, and like, and I like that you highlighted that you were licking your wounds because there's no, you know, skirting around the fact that it freaking sucks when you have to do it. It sucks so bad, especially like being a new mom, like it could not have been more awkward timing. Yes. And, uh, and it was really hard, but, but what was cool though, is I instantly saw what was wrong, not having those systems in place and the structures in place. So I focused on immediately putting those in place. And then you saw through like the licking of the wounds period and re-engineering and new team members and all the stuff we continued to sell the same amount, even though the model was completely different and we were profiting more through that transition. Mm -hmm. So it really does come from those systems and structures and thinking about it differently and using your time differently. And the faster that you just snap to that, then you can kind of give yourself time to re-engineer and not lose income or the comfortability of your lifestyle or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I call it running a vulnerable business. Like if you have a business where when life happens and you have to slow down, your stress increases because you don't have a model that supports that ability because you are the business solely and you don't have a passive income stream. It's a scary place to be. And it's an unrealistic place to be. Like you had a baby, you had to like take time, but I know a lot of moms who feel like they can't take time I can't take time. This is what's supporting my family. It's like, no, you can, you just have to do this a little differently. So I I feel like that's a testament to, again, your resourcefulness and your courage to do what you have to do to make it better, even if it's really hard. So yeah. And if I can add a quick little side story that in contrast, I was telling you earlier that in uh, just last month, I got pneumonia, right? I was sick for six weeks And, you know, you saw me canceling weeks worth of calls, weeks worth of projects at a time. And it was really frustrating, man, because I love what I do. And yet when I looked back on last month, we grew our profits, we grew our following, we grew our word of mouth, we grew our testimonials, everything grew for the positive. 
mm-hmm. even though I was out for that, that length of time. So if you can set up your business in a way that doesn't rely so heavily on you, for me, it's empowering my team to own their role. You own your role. I will support you and guide you. We have these systems in place, but like, I'm not always going to be there. You're going to have to, to take that ownership. So what would you tell to the entrepreneur or business owner? Who's kind of at that crossroads? I call it like the divergent moment where they, you know, they're kind of at this fork in the road where they realize, hopefully realize, because I know people who go on for another 50 years without understanding there are other ways to do business, but they're starting to realize, Oh, wait a minute. This isn't, nothing's going to change if I keep going down this path. So it's likely time to pivot. What would you encourage them to do first, focus on first in order to start to shift from maybe, for example, a more service-based business model to something that allows you to have a life? Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, I do largely have a service-based business and a great life. I mean, I'm working like 40 hours a week right now. And if it's essentially like running three different companies uh, underneath my umbrella right now. And so you can have a service-based business. We also have products and programs available as well. But what I personally do is I will look, uh, it starts with awareness. That's the simplest way I can say it. I have awareness over what I am doing day to day. And all of a sudden with that awareness, I'll be doing something in a moment and thinking, this is such a bad use of my time. Like anybody... (laughs) Anybody could be doing this one thing, sending out this email or, you know, finishing out this piece of a proposal or setting up an account somewhere. Like if anybody else could be doing that, then that's my first sign that I should not be doing it. And so then I immediately figure out how can I put this into a system or structure to set somebody else up for success, right? So if I keep sending the same email over and over and over again, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, Alexis, congratulations. I would like you to start taking over this task for me. Here's the purpose. This is why I'm doing it this way. Here's what I want you to think about. So I am training her the technical how to do steps A, B, C, D, but I also need to teach her how to think about it and why it matters into the overall operations so that she has purpose behind that task. Yes, That's going to make the difference in how she executes. But also, I I think it's worth sharing that when I really started to adopt this mindset, it hit me that it actually is better for my team to let go and to empower them to do tasks. Because when I was trying to control every square inch of every single thing in the company, my team, my poor team must have felt like I didn't trust them and that I didn't believe in their abilities to do a simple thing because I kept controlling every angle of it. Um, when I really saw that, that was what shifted my thinking is like, oh my gosh, what a horrible way to show up to work and feel that my boss doesn't trust me or believe in me enough to do a certain task. Whoa, that's not who I want to be. So circling back to the beginning of our conversation, starting with who do I want to be right in service to my team in this case giving them trust, giving them belief, setting them up for success and letting it go, knowing it doesn't, ha- my way is not the right way. It can be done several different ways, but if they understand the why behind something, then it will get done in a way that I feel is most important, even if structurally or tactically, it's slightly different than I would have done it. Mm, yes, I completely agree. 
So I want to ask you a couple questions that I'll sometimes ask people that come on because when I see someone doing something so awesome, I like to know kind of how this all came to be. So oh. along the way, <laughs> resources, like anything that you've stumbled along or across, you know, oh, I went to this conference and it really opened my mind to this, or I read this book and it totally changed my thinking on business. Like anything, you know, I heard this person speak and anything like that, that comes to mind that really stuck, sticks out to you. Several, but a random one that came to mind first, and I always trust my, my intuition is there's a tool that I use obsessively in my inbox. It helps me manage my inbox and everybody feels like so out of control with their emails. So maybe this is a good one. But I am a Gmail person and I found a tool called Active Inbox. That darn tool is what allows me to run my life in business. It's like at any given time, like right now, I have been on the phone. I'll be on the phone for about eight hours today. That's pretty much my job is I'm just on the phone or doing interviews or speaking all day long. My email inbox is at eight. I have eight emails in my inbox with all of this stuff going on, right? Active inbox allows me to stay organized and keep that email number low. Um, it allows me to set emails and kind of like schedule them for the future when they don't really matter. Or if I send out a proposal, it will remind me to follow up with that person three days from now. If I haven't heard back, I could do email templates, which save me a tremendous amount of time. Like following a design call when I'm designing somebody's website, I'll send them this humongous content plan. That's a list of everything that we need from the client to get the project done. That's templated for every possible scenario. So after a design call, I pop open the template, remove what doesn't apply, send. That email used to take me almost an hour to craft after every design call. Now it takes me maybe 10 minutes. So wow. looking at little ways to get more efficient, get time back. Totally different random answer is there is an organization called Heroic Public Speaking that I am like obsessed with, like all in with them. I pride myself on the, the range of my network, Elizabeth. I know people from every pocket of the online world and, you know, the online world can be kind of incestuous, but for me, I'm all over, I'm all over the place. And this community is the best I've found period. End of story. There's nobody that even comes a close second. These are just very good people. They're intellectual. So your people, by the way. So everybody listening is your people too. And heroic public speaking teaches you about the performance of speaking. Now, even if you are not on stage speaking and doing keynotes, which I know you actually are doing speaking, Elizabeth, but it helps you in your podcast interviews. It helps you become better at performance in video, live streaming, any sort of training that you're doing, it just changed the nature of how I communicate with my husband even. So I do think that there is something to be said about improving your craft in uh, communication performance and in sales too. But those are some random oddball things that honestly really contributed to my success that I probably most people wouldn't have said in a, in a comment. Yeah, I wrote them both down and I fully intend on <laughs> Googling both of them after we get off this interview. And I'm excited, especially to check out the, the heroic public speaking because that does sound right up my alley. So where can people come find you? Because I know that they're going to want to hunt you down after this interview. <laughs> hunt me down. Um, the best place is my hub website is ambervillehauer.com, V-I-L-H-A-U-E-R. 
just Google me. You'll, I'm all over the place. I have a rockin' YouTube channel, tons of great free video. I'm on all social media accounts. The Amber Vilhauer site is great because it talks about the three main services that I offer, but there are also like these deep dive training courses that are free. So 30 minutes going deep into how to cut through the noise in your marketing right now and make a deeper connection with people websites, book launches, just a lot of free, good content to give to the world. And anybody who wants to have a deeper conversation with me, like I'm super easy to talk to and connect with. So just reach out anytime. That is awesome. And you are incredible. I am so pumped that we got to have you on the show and I've so enjoyed chatting with you. You really, you can tell um, that you really do pour into wherever you are in that moment. And I've felt that connection and appreciated that because not everybody does that. So it's something to take note on for sure. And I am very excited for our audience to get this episode in their earbuds as soon as possible. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for the opportunity. It really means a lot. And I look forward to more conversations with you. (laughs) Absolutely, Amber. I I, uh, look forward to that too very, very much. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that They are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.